Hi, everybody, and uh, welcome. Welcome back to It's a New Year, and this is our first live stream of 2024. I have to get remember, I have to get familiar to say 2024. And we've got a our special guest. I can see her in the background. Danny's in the background. I can see her there. Uh, I'll let her get herself ready, and uh, uh, we'll bring bring her on. We're going to have a great conversation with you very all very shortly. So uh, just for laughs, just to start the year. Uh, we're putting this out on the anti-free speech platforms of YouTube and Facebook, as well as Twitter, Getter, Rumble, blah, 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 all the other stuff, right? So I see you guys joining uh, over on YouTube because that kind of flows in. Hi, Laura and uh, Leslie and all of you folks. Thanks, Melanie. Thanks for being here with us. Um, hey, listen, so got, we've got a lot of stuff to get through, as we always do, and we've got a lot of uh, a lot of stuff lined up for you guys as well. Uh, but, 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 before we do that, we're going to, as always, have a word from our sponsors, Quantum Hypno, with a brand new ad from Sarah Jane. So play the ad. Quantum Hypno is a transformative approach that connects with the superconscious through the power of hypnosis. I take the time to get to know you and create a relaxed setting where you can share your life story. There's no rush or time pressure involved. During the hypnosis session, you'll experience a natural and profound connection with the superconscious, accessing healing, wisdom, and the answers that you've been seeking throughout your life. Envision the ability to travel through time and space, recovering lost knowledge and exploring the universe. This life-changing work has already helped thousands of people dealing with addictions, trauma, or a sense of being lost, enabling them to move forward in the right direction. I've worked with people from all walks of life. So what are you waiting for? There you go, Quantum Hypno, give it a click and uh, and support Sarah Jane. As, as I told you throughout 2023, those of us who operate in the alternative media, you know, we don't have the huge uh, the huge funders that the mainstream media have, uh, such as the BBC. So we rely on you, on what you folks give us, what the likes of Sarah can give us as well. That's how we operate. And we also have, uh, by the way, just a wee plug, to just stop t-shirts who uh, a little startup uk company who do some pretty fun t-shirts i even modeled one for you so uh just uh, just trying to support everybody as we get ourselves organized for 2024 right right we're coming to the main event so one of the things that is sort of i think the most part one of the most important things we have is language it's how we communicate with each other it's how we it's essentially lies at the very, it's our raison d'etre in so many ways. But how do we use words? What do they mean? Can they be used to control us? All kinds of stuff like that there. These are all the big questions. And now we're going to have all the answers. <laughs> Talk about a build-up, I'm giving her. So, folks, I want you to welcome a lady called Danny Katz. Danny, welcome. Hi, David. Thank you so much for having me. 
Pleasure. Well, as I said, I wanted to build you up. So you're going to solve all the issues that we might have regarding language. And by the way, you can find Danny. There's Danny's um, Twitter uh, as well. And Danny's got a book out we're going to talk about a bit later as well. But but Danny, language, I mean, it is so fundamentally important, isn't it? And 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 yet, I don't know about you, but I kind of feel certainly over the past couple of years, certainly since 2020 anyway, language has been so weaponized in so many ways do, do you you know the, the whole you know the safe effect of all this this all this the, the manipulation of words and the power the power that it has it, it amazes me well what's your thoughts on that Danny? it's really everything so um the subconscious mind is responsible for 95 percent of our experience of reality and it is programmed primarily through language. Um, as well, we have that biblical portion in Genesis, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So yeah. whether we buy into religion or not, um, it's valuable insight into how language functions as reality creation technology, as well as the primary means of programming people as individuals, mm. as well as the collective. So the social engineers, they know this yeah. um, and they yeah. utilize this to push their agendas forward. My work in the world is to share this knowledge with the rest of us. And it's interesting because, you know, I as an you know, alternative content creator, I'm sure you also know well how intense the censorship situation is. Yeah. And yeah. I'm one of the most censored content creators I know. And I think it's because I'm sharing empowerment tools. I'm sharing clues as to how we can actually course correct our earthship. And I think that's really threatening to the powers that were. Yeah, because I, I did see, Danny, I think you had a, a bit of a, a dispute with uh, our friends at YouTube uh recently I, I saw a, a tweet of yours um chat i mean i i i don't to be quite honest with you most of the shows i do i don't even bother with youtube i despise youtube because they are so censorious of people like us but there again it's this big market and all that there but it's but when you get ideas out the challenge and this is maybe the point of this really you're putting out ideas out there that that that, that challenge the narrative in so many ways and and so they they will push back at you. you you know they absolutely will they'll uh, you know the, the algorithm is going to get you so to speak sometimes i wonder if it's the algorithm or if they have someone on my account because i don't talk about yeah. the fovid yeah. narrative i don't talk about the election like i don't talk about their hot button issues hey, I, yeah. I, I teach people about propaganda and i also teach people how to empower themselves with language. And I have restrictions on my account right now that I don't know anyone else who has those restrictions. And mm. I think, and you know, to top it off with the big tech censorship is the fact that we now have the weaponization of customer service. So you can't talk to a human on any of these mm. platforms. And we've all signed on to this. Like it's also normalized now that these predatory corporations can silence us and there's nothing we can do, allegedly. Yeah, no, no, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, it, it makes it very difficult. Although I do think, Danny, that's where having alternative platforms, even, you know, like, as I say, I mean, this is going out on, on multiple ones because I, I just decided quite a while back that just for me to bank on, say, YouTube and Facebook was folly because because I have challenged all the hot button issues. And, and we've had guests on 
that have challenged those. And it's amazing, you know, and it, it just uh, instantly, uh, it, it has to be, I think for me, it's it's algorithmically driven, but that's the same on Twitter slash X as well. I'm conscious that, again, this is where we get into words, that it, it's, it's specific words seem to just, they're like landmines, you know, you put them down and whoop, up it goes. Do you find that as well? I do find that. And it's like this weird learning curve that those of us who are speaking truths have to figure out as far as like what words are going to trigger them. I realize like anytime I mention propaganda, those posts are going to get suppressed or going to get shadow banned. And so, yeah, I mean, there's something to learning how to dance around them. God bless Odyssey, Rumble, Locals, like all the free speech friendly platforms. I think what's also frustrating is the gaslighting around it, given that the the majority of people don't think there's a censorship problem. They don't like it. It doesn't compute. So I think that's been another level of frustration is the gaslighting around censorship and people alleging that it doesn't exist, which is crazy. Yeah, no, no, you know, that's it's so true that there, you know, and, and, and in a way I've started to learn like a parallel language, you know, a, a parallel actually code in so many ways because if you say the specific you know words then then that 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 causes all kinds of suppression throttling of your account and all that stuff goes on so you kind of learn and and part of me resents that you know because i I do like to be able to speak directly and but i've realized that but yeah but you can't or, or certainly it's it makes life very difficult if you try to speak directly because those words will trigger censorship in whichever format it comes Danny you know and so you have to think so how can I use words and everyone can understand what I'm saying but but they're not necessarily my first choice of of words I mean it's, it's, it's tricky enough isn't it it's tricky and it also I mean it kind of parallels what I teach with my quantum languaging work right because we go to speak in our sort of like habitual pattern ways but now as content creators we've been trained to like pause you know take a little bit of witness consciousness because it's like oh if I say this word then I'm gonna get a strike right so I employ something similarly by choice and in terms of empowering myself as I clue in to deleterious or sabotaging coding in my regular everyday language. So I'm not doing it because of censorship, but I'm catching myself before I program my own reality with anything negative or disempowering. So I'm kind of in that practice anyway, but like you, I'm frustrated that we have to play the game in terms of censorship. Yeah, I mean, I've got to say, earlier today, I appeared on another another channel um, for sort of a a 10 minute uh, sort of radio TV thing. And I was so conscious, Danny, that uh, even more so because that was more mainstream, there's that like microsecond, isn't there? There's that microsecond that you're, 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 you're going so fast and you're just, you're just, the editing is going on like it's going on in real time. People don't know it. People don't even pick up, I guess. But 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 we, the people that do it, we, we know what we're doing, don't we? Yes, we do. And it's um, I mean, I'm not a fan of the us them. Right. And the engineered binary that is doing mm-hmm. humanity such a disservice. And at the same time, people like you and and me are living in a completely different world. And we're we're learning new tools to deal with this world that the majority has no clue about. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, with with that in mind, Danny, I know uh, you you've 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 brought out a book. I want to uh, just bring up uh, Danny's book here. Uh, great, I, I love the, the the I love the title actually. The language of better archy, a Thank blueprint you. for uniting against tyranny. So, okay, the, there you go. Um, available. Uh, it's actually, you can find it over on my website. We've stuck it up a link for Danny's book over there. And uh, you can get it on, 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 on uh, I think that's Amazon as well, isn't it? So, Danny, better archy. That, that, now, there's a word to conjure with. Explain what you mean by better archy. Yes. So, um, the concept of better archy came about, I started researching this book around 2018. So it was after Trump was elected, after the Me Too movement had erupted in Los Angeles. And I saw my immediate community who was primarily populated with like spiritual new age people, mm. all of a sudden using extremely dehumanizing, divisive language um, that was very violent, a lot of bigotry, a lot of vitriol, kill all men, smash the patriarchy, those types yeah. of things. And it confused me to see people who I thought we were on the same page in terms of yeah. um, unifying humanity um, and creating a, a peace, more peaceful world using such violent languaging. And so I started to question the dominant narrative that patriarchy was the reason for everything bad that had ever happened since the beginning yeah. of time. And yeah. that the proposed solution was to put women on top or black people on top or gay, yeah. trans, giraffes on top or like whatever it was. Yeah. It just, yeah. and so I started to question the whole hierarchical construct, which alleges that for there to be winners in our culture, we need there to also be losers. And I'm mm. like, if that's our organizational setup, then we need to evolve out of this. It is mm. time for us to move beyond losers and winners and privileging and status into an organizational structure that allows everyone to win and thrive. And so I realized that the fundamental issue plaguing us was not patriarchy, it's hierarchy, right? So it doesn't matter if we put women on top, if those women are treating men poorly, and mm. now we're expecting men to take short shrift, we're all losing because we really oh, yeah. truly are a singular species of humanity. So I spent a couple months doing all this nerdy research into like, you know, Latin etymology and prefixes yeah. and suffixes to find the like just right replacement. Um, I was really into synarchy, but synarchy was weaponized by the Nazi party, by various like kind of fascist groups. Mm. So after a couple months of this inquiry, I realized like I've wandered way off track. Like this book just wants to be written. Yeah. So I'm going to call it betterarchy as a placeholder um, and teach us the tools to help us evolve out of hierarchy because hierarchy is an abstraction. It's a construct. It's not like a thing built with bricks and mortar. And so hierarchy is empowered and kept alive by our mm. language, by us using a language of, of division and privileging and status, by using a language that is encoded with the frequencies of lack, limitation, disempowerment, um, fear, conflict, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Yeah. So in this book, I delineate 10 markers of hierarchical languaging so that we can see and start to take responsibility for our world. And we can see where we are sustaining hierarchy with mm. our language mm -hmm. and how we can make these very simple, easy shifts in our everyday languaging patterns that uplevel the frequency of our words 
um, to what I'm calling betterarchy. So when we're speaking a language that is encoded with the frequencies of empowerment, of unity, of peace, of abundance, of yeah. sustainability, of equality, then the world that emerges from those words will reflect those same qualities. It can't not because language is the fundamental building block of this reality construct. Yeah, well, I totally agree with that. I, I, I do. I agree with you. I believe language is at the heart of 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 of, of everything that we have, basically. Um, but so so let, let's have a few examples then. So talk talk us through some examples of how um, the, the the language of patriarchy and all that. How does that disempower? How is that unhelpful? And then give us examples of better archie, better language. Because I, I have actually, in advance of us chatting tonight, I have listened to some of your stuff and it's, it's really quite interesting. So I'm, I'm I'm kind of on board with what you're, where you're coming from, but I want everybody listening to understand it as well, Danny. So just give us a few examples. Sure. And I appreciate you taking the time to look into mm. my work. So um, every word in our language, and in, this applies to every language, uh, however, I'm only fluent in English, yeah. but every word in our language is encoded with a unique frequency. Think of it like a fingerprint mm. or a snowflake. Every word has its own frequency. And um, the coding in those frequencies, um, they program us as people, right? Like when we're bandying words mm. about, when I'm reading certain words, yeah. um, those words are programming me. Those words are also programming our collective reality construct, right? Um, so I'll give you an example. When I say I can't, uh, uh, I don't have time. I say I don't have time. I'm alleging a scarcity of time. Yeah. That statement is coded with the frequencies of lack, of not enoughness, of scarcity, right? Yeah. So when yeah. I say I don't have time, I am putting the frequencies out into the world that say I am living in scarcity. I am mm -hmm. living in lack. The way yeah. this reality construct works um, is whatever we program into what evolutionary biologists call the morphogenetic field, which is the singular field of energy that links us as human beings. Whatever we put into that by way of our thoughts, words, and actions the most programming that it receives, right? Like say the majority of people yeah. are programming that field with fear. We're going to get a fearful reality. It gives us back what exactly what we put into it. Yeah, I get right? that. Yeah, yeah. So um, instead of saying, I don't have time, I would flip it to, I'm already scheduled. How about Wednesday, right? So therefore I'm in choice. It's not that there's a lack of time. It's simply like a scheduling conflict, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's like a tiny example. But these um, damaging hierarchical codes are infusing our everyday language um, because we've adopted the language of hierarchy, not realizing that this is a language that is dividing us, that is disempowering us, that is enslaving us. When I say I'm not allowed to fly without a vaccine passport. I've just dropped the ball on my own sovereign agency and I've alleged that some external entity has power over me. I'm not allowed, yeah. right? Yeah. Versus yeah. the airline has a mandatory vaccine policy. I'm not aligned with that, so I choose not to fly. Now I'm still in a place of empowerment. Mm. I'm not giving my agency away to a stupid rule 
You know, and yeah. I always feel like this with my hands when I'm describing it. If I say I'm not allowed, yeah. then the matrix has power over me. When I say they have a rule, I'm not aligned with it. I maintain my sovereign agency. I'm not disempowered. Yeah. I'm not yeah. victimized to tyranny. Yeah. Tell me this. Um, so do you, so are you saying that words, words are frequency, words are, because I've, I've got to say, it, last uh, last year, back in twenty three, I, I, I went to uh, an event hosted by a guy called David Ike. Dave, and if, do you know David? And, I interviewed uh, David back in um, two thousand nine, I believe. Well, da, 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 he he's really interesting, really interesting guy, and I was I was able to have a chat with him on the night and whatnot. And in fact, actually, the the sponsors that we have for this show. Danny or the people who sponsored David as well, but That's but awesome. but 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 and, and and he was very interesting. The stuff he talked about frequency and stuff. But what you're saying is is really quite subtle and kind of aligned to that because because I I I I, I get what you're saying. You know the. What what, what what the what you're saying has frequency and it goes out there and it's going to come back at a boomerang, a boomerang into you one way or the other. So therefore, choosing the right language makes a difference. And being a victim or being an empowered person, I guess. Exactly. You know, the difference between being a victim and being a, an empowered person has nothing to do with what happens to us. It only has to do with the stories we tell about it, how I choose mm. to frame it. You know, um, an example that I often use if someone says like, he cheated on me, he abandoned mm. me. In that framing, which is, is um, one of the clues of victim languaging, I'm front and center of his story, right? Victim languaging is very narcissistic. We, yeah. everything is happening to us because we're the center, not only of our own worlds, but of everyone else's world. Yeah. Yeah. Did he cheat on me or did he simply explore a connection with someone else and my feelings got hurt, right? In that instance, in that framing, I'm not a victim. I'm simply neutrally explaining what happened. Whether he broke an agreement or not, I'm not, it's not like something happened to me. This thing happened, neutral reality. Here are my feelings about it. Yeah. You know, so we have this, you know, we look at victim culture um, being one of the, you know, oh, yeah. hugest, yeah. you know, that's the real pandemic that we're facing is yeah. victim culture and victim consciousness. And you look at it and it's all languaging. These things happened to me. He made me feel bad. He hmm. traumatized me. He triggered me. No, no one has that power to do anything when we're in touch with our sovereign agency and our empowerment. Um, the problem with victim consciousness is that if everyone else is to blame for our sucky lot in life, then I, I'm not resourced to change my life or my hmm. world. Hmm. Only when we take 100% responsibility for our experience of reality are we resourced to change our lives, to change the world for the better, which is why so much of the languaging coming out of the mainstream media and the whole propaganda landscape is meant to convince us that we have no agency, well, that we uh, are disempowered. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at the whole woke, the whole woke thing, I mean, it, it's basically marred in, in victimhood. It, it's, it's always somebody else's fault. Never my fault. It's always someone else's fault. 
But then where does responsibility come? And, and when does, you know, basically owning the situation you're in, because I think that's what you're saying. You have to be, you have to own where you are and take control. A thousand percent. And it's not to say that we don't get triggered. Of course, we all get triggered because this is an unfair realm. We all suffer. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. no, no one yeah. has a stronghold on suffering just because of their skin color, their gender. Like everyone suffers yeah. um, and everyone has blessings. But it's only when we take responsibility for our triggers and choose to look within to see where we have healing to do, where we can integrate then can we be empowered to live the lives that we dream of, make our world a better place, which is the last thing that the social engineers want us to do. And, and, and going back to what you said earlier, would you say that the whole Me Too thing that came along in 20... I mean, how would you summarize it? Because I think that's been incredibly toxic and unhelpful and has contributed nothing apart from you know, causing lots of pain to people. What do you think about that? It's so toxic and it's so infantilizing and disempowering mm. to women mm. to assume that we can't have our own backs. There's never a question in those conversations as to, well, why did this young woman take a meeting in someone's hotel room at midnight? Like, <laughs> you know, like th that never yeah. comes into play. No one asks like, why are these women doing things that that were an authentic no to them? And then they didn't say anything until 17 years later when yeah. the cameras were in the face, you know? Yeah. And I think yeah. it goes back, you know, as a woman, I find it extremely offensive. You know, I look at the Louis C.K. Um, narrative and I don't know him, you know? So that's another thing. These are very one-sided conversations. Yeah. But from what we've been told about Louis C.K., why didn't those women just get up and leave the room? If they were so uncomfortable with what was happening, why didn't they use their own sovereign agency to stand up, reach for the door and leave? You know, so there's no conversation about chasing fame, women selling themselves out for famous people, which was the whole point of mm -hmm. Trump's grab. You know, I don't know what your um, policies here are. Open. We're open, free speech. You know, that was my frustration about the whole out of context, grab them by the pussy. Yeah. When you look at that in its full context, Trump was not advocating for this as a way to treat women. He was not saying this is a fine right. way to treat women. He was saying when you're rich and famous, women will sell themselves down the river and allow yeah. you to mistreat them. And so yeah. why are we not talking about that? You know, it's very frustrating to me. And it, it I don't... It, it's frustrating that women don't see how disempowering the conversation is, that, yeah. that we're not capable yeah. to, of having our own backs. Yeah, that, that, I, I, I get that. Because the thing about it is that whole Me Too thing was sold as this is empowering women. And it was the exact opposite. It was disempowering. And, and it's, you know, I mean, it, it hasn't completely gone away. It's st it still floats around. Uh, I think it's still a, a big factor. Um, and uh, But it's the fact that, so much in this, as, as, as I've grown older, the one thing I've learned is there's so much inversion going on. You know, Me Too is not about empowerment. It's about disempowerment, which you've talked about already in this one, is about empowerment. Um, but it, it strains that not enough, I don't think enough women fully probably understand that. Certainly all the, uh, you know, the, the, those most prominent Me Too, Too voices. I mean, right. you know, what do you, yeah. 
I don't think, I think it's important to look at the most prominent Me Too voices are celebrities. They're, yeah. they're people who are paid to pretend. And right. I'm so excited for the moment when we outgrow this worshiping of paid pretenders oh, and conflating the fact that they might be good at pretending with being some sort of thought leaders or cultural leaders. I yep. take the same issue with the phrase women owned business. And anytime someone says that to me, I'm like, do not ghettoize my gender. We don't need you to buy our goods and services because you feel sorry for us because you think we're pathetic. Like since I was born in mm. the 70s, women have owned businesses. It's not really that big of a deal. But this phrase that makes it seem like a big deal and that people should engage our goods and services out of pity, that is disempowering and disgusting and moving us way backwards. Yeah, so, but don't you think so much of what we've seen in recent years has been actually moving women back, whilst pretend, whilst in the guise of yeah, we're making great progress, you know, you know, and uh, uh, like for example, I saw it, it was the Golden Globes. I think the Golden Globes took place uh, somewhere in the U.S. Uh, in the last day or so, and I was looking at the jury, and apparently the jury for the Golden Globes, they changed it, didn't they? So that it's now 47% female, right? And 23% ethnic, other types of ethnicities and stuff. And I'm thinking, even though Golden Globes is about people pretending to be things, even though that's what it is, you know, even that, they're tinkering with everything and actually devaluing. They don't say it, but they're devaluing their own very profession but that's how they are. They don't get it, Danny. No, they don't get it. And it, it it's so frustrating to watch the movement backwards. Same with, you know, the race relations conversation, oh, yeah. which yeah. seemed to erupt in this big nightmare as soon as Obama was elected. And it's like, wow, that's interesting. As soon as we have our first black president here, we're also told that race relations has have devolved to the point that we need Black Lives Matter and we need reparations and and all this crazy stuff. Um, but, yeah, but but can I ask just on that on the on, on, you talk about language and words, Black Lives Matter. I mean that was that was a very cultivated expression, but a very well you know I've got lots of problems with it. What what what's your take on it? I also have lots of problems with it. So uh, um, when Black Lives Matter. It, emerge onto the scene at the end of 2013, 2014, I was yeah. still allowed to play in mainstream journalism a little bit, which I'm not anymore. Yeah. And at the time I was writing for an online publication called Reality Sandwich. And I pitched them, I said, hey, I would like to write an article about um, the divisive language coding in Black Lives Matter mm -hmm. and just mm -hmm. explain to people how the name of this movement will absolutely create more racism and division. Yeah. And I was fired. And my editor said, well, Danny, as a white man, I have to lean into my own self-preservation and uh, we can't let you do this. And look what happened. Because when we say, you know, let's take something extremely neutral. When I say butterflies matter the the way the subconscious mind works it's like why does she have to say that 
who thinks that butterflies don't matter? And yeah. why is she? Why does she feel the need to defend something that I had never questioned? So it brings into question something mm. that shouldn't even be questioned. Of course, Black Lives Matter. Just saying it yes. in itself yep. is inserting the opposition into the larger conversation. Oh, get that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because then if people try to respond to that by saying, I mean, a lot of us said, well, surely all lives matter. So we can't be, you know, you can't you can't just select one particular life because all life. I think all civilized people believe all lives have equal merit in the on this world, you know. But 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 somehow, no, it was Black Lives Matter that 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 stuck. And if you dissented from that, it's it's difficult because if you dissent from that, Danny, then well, that makes you a racist and all kinds of awful things, you know. Because it, 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 but it's but it's the programming which is getting into your territory. It's it's very cunning programming. Exactly, because it doesn't actually like you and I both know it doesn't make you a racist. But the way that that word has been completely weaponized. Mm. And is now being bandied about so recklessly mm. without any real conscious thought about how damaging that is and what the coding in that word really does to a person's life. And how, you know, mm. I remember when Trump was elected and people were talking about hate speech. Yep. And I would say to those people, the way you're talking about Trump and the people who voted for him, that is hate speech. It's hate speech. Yep. yep. And you're and you're absolutely right. Yeah. The uh the 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 the, uh, the 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 whole sort of tone of discussions uh, and, and the words that are that are used so impactful, Danny. You, you know, you know. But the 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 so the sort of the Black Lives Matter thing I thought was a good example of of this insertion and in the programming and 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 making it difficult. But then the other thing again you touched on there. So many words have become weaponized to the point you know calling people racist, bigoted. You know, a Nazi. I, I think those words that those are still not nice words, but I think they've lost a hell of a lot of the, any kind of impact that they ever once had. What What do you think about that? They have absolutely lost their impact, which I think um, is lending itself to a more dangerous culture because. I do believe real racism exists, not to the extent mm. or in the same ways that it's being alleged. Yeah. But now we don't have a real word to describe that. And because that word has become so weaponized and watered down that when it's actually appropriate, yeah. it doesn't mean anything. Same with rapist, sexual predator. Yeah. Yeah. You know, those don't mean anything anymore. The word privilege has become ridiculous. Yep. You know, I have I teach homeschool students about propaganda and I have 13 year old boys apologizing for their privilege. And I'm just like, yeah. don't please don't ever do yeah. not ever do that. You know, yeah. again, we all we all suffer. We all have blessings. I don't know how they're doled out, but we all get a mix. Um, so yeah, it's frustrating. And it's also frustrating to see people who are pushing against consensus narratives, embracing this type of language, you know, people when we identify as anti-vaxxers, uh, climate change deniers, flat earthers, yeah. that's yeah. damaging too, because we're using their dehumanizing language that is meant to put us in homogenized mm. cages as though we all think the same you know you call someone an anti-vaxxer then the associations are well then they're like an alt-right maga nazi QAnon, yep. conspiracy theorist yes. you know right. yeah. for yeah. this insanity 
Yeah, well, that's exactly the point, isn't it? And that does show the power of, 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 of language because, um, and, and I think it is important uh, where possible that we choose our vocabulary, the one, the words that we want to use, not the words that are, are, you know, are cast upon us. Because I have no doubt that words like anti-vaxxers, for example, these have been cleverly scripted words coming out of, um, you know, all kinds of uh, sort of high places, um, because they know that um, it 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 triggers it triggers things. The worst thing in the world, although I have to say, Danny, to be honest, back in 2020, um, you know, I, I used to, I started this whole last couple of years by saying, listen, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I've taken vaccines for different things. I, I'm very, you know, but not this particular one at this point in the game. That, that's how I started. I'll be honest with you, Danny. You see, after a couple of years of their relentless anti-vaxxer, this anti, I said, yeah, I'm an anti-vaxxer. I'm 100% an anti-vaxxer. I would never touch one again. Only my personal opinion. Everyone has to have their own choices. But but I do take your point though. If if you play back their words, you legitimize their language, and that's not a good thing. I think exactly, and it's doing damage on multiple levels. So I'm happy that we're talking about this because, like, I don't eat sugar. Am I anti-sugar? Do I think sugar shouldn't exist? No, I I honor everyone's free will. Yep. So it's just not a choice that I make for myself. Yep. By embracing the phrase anti-vaxxer, we're normalizing these vaccines, yeah, right? Yeah, now yeah. we're the weirdos because we're the antis and they're the normal ones. Great. And normalization is the very last phase mm -hmm. of any sort of tyrannical takeover. It also alleges that I have active oppositional energy or thoughts that I am directing out I'm a very loving, peaceful person. I yeah. am truly not anti anything. Yeah. Anyone can do whatever they want. You know, just because I'm yeah. not in favor of gender reassignment surgery for children, I'm yeah. not anti trans. I don't have enough care or attention yeah. units to direct towards that yeah. movement to create an oppositional position. And that's that narcissism that thinks, oh, because, you know, I'm not posting the Ukraine flag. I'm anti, no, I just don't care. It's not even on my radar. I'm not interested in that psyop. So yeah. when we embrace these anti um, prefixes, not only are we normalizing uh, what the mainstream is doing, but we're taking on this oppositional stance that very often we don't actually have. We might be neutral. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely right. Yeah. But I mean, another example of that is, again, the, the way of construction of words, uh, climate change denier. You're a climate change denier. It's, 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 it's so clunky. Even coming out of the mouth, it's the stupidest phrase in the world. Climate change denier. It's like, no, because I'm that just legitimizes and normalizes the climate change narrative. So it's like they create a construct. Yeah. And then yeah. when we choose anti- we're legitimizing the construct and we're just staying within the construct versus pulling ourselves out of the construct entirely and saying, yeah. I'm not an anti anything. I simply don't acknowledge that narrative. Which is a absolutely key point, I think. Yeah, that that's the that is actually the root out of all of this, I think, because if if you engage on their terms, on their on their linguistical terms, I, I think it becomes 
difficult then because in a way, Danny, you've walked into their their language traps. Exactly. As, as you say, if you take the approach that you're that you're sort of uh, advocating, then um, you, you're you're not acknowledging their concept in the first place, basically, which is which is ideal, really. But but it's very difficult because they come at us all the time with so many of these different language traps, you know, climate change denier, uh, you know, um, and, and the problem is that you talked about celebrity or, earlier. I happen to be I happen to be looking through somebody's, uh, some, uh, a particular well-known person's uh, uh, Twitter X uh, profile, and I was counting all the different flags they had, and they had the rainbow flag, they had the Ukraine flag, they had the, you know, the one love flag, and, all, and I'm thinking to myself, how much narcissism have you got? I can't believe that. They don't need to have any flags. Well, the frustrating thing about those flags is most of the people who are posting those flags don't know anything about what's going on in those countries. They don't understand that Ukraine is Khazaria and that's, you know, goes mm -hmm. back to the Rothschilds. They don't understand what's happening there with, you know, the, the neo-Nazis and whatnot. It's just yep. the hip thing to do. And the last thing, just going back to the ER thing, because I'm, uh, this is what I'm really fired up about these days is yep. that tacking the ER onto beliefs, disbeliefs, voting habits, you do see with Trumper is a way of dehumanizing us, right? Yeah. A person yeah. who voted for Trump is still a person who maintains their humanity, who is deserving of compassion and respect. A Trumper the humanity has been removed. That's oh, yeah. what that ER does. That's how it programs the mind. It removes the humanity. So now I don't have to be kind to that person because they're not a person. Mm. They're a Trumper, you know, which is why regardless of my elites, I refuse to identify with any of those. And I always call them out if people bring them to me. I, I was hanging out with a friend and he was demonizing Trumpers. And I just said, what is a Trumper? And he said, oh, you know, MAGA, white supremacist. And I said, you know oh. what? As someone who's attuned to languaging, like that is like a knife through my heart. You know, that that's so mm. dehumanizing. Just because you don't understand your fellow human's choices, you're demonizing them. And it, he got it. Like that actually landed because I didn't argue politics for him. I wasn't telling him why Trump was, you know, good or yeah. bad or anything. Yeah. I was simply speaking to the dangers of the languaging and snapped him out of it. Although it's interesting, I remember back in 2015, I think it was, I remember Hillary Clinton asserting that people who did support Trump were, they were deplorables. Now, you talk about demonizing millions of people. And do you think she knew what she was doing when she used a term like that? Because they weren't deplorables. As you say, they were individual human beings on a spectrum. Some maybe loved Trump, some were just okay with him, whatever. But when you, a basket of deplorables, that's pretty strong words. I think it was very deliberate because when you look into um, who funds, um, like who funds not just these media outlets that are doing the dehumanizing, but also like mm, the fact checking mm. institutes and Wikipedia and all of that, yeah. the Clinton Foundation is always going to be there. And she's been in the game long enough. I think it's very deliberate. I live in New Mexico. Our governor calls Trump supporters lizard people. She actually says this on camera without shame. And I, you know, again, like I, I'll track on Twitter my local representatives and I won't weigh in on their policies, right? I stay neutral. I'm just yeah. like, 
hey, elected leaders, how about acting with some dignity? How about speaking only about policies and respecting all of your constituents, whether you agree with them or not? Like, can we raise the frequency of these conversations and have them in a way that maintains respect? Yeah, and I think this is what's so important about the work that you're doing, actually, Danny. It is about that raising the frequency. It is about not not allowing ourselves to descend, you know, into, into the very sort of lowest circle of hell in terms of language. Um, because if we raise language, things the level of language, the frequency, it, life beca things become better. This is the the whole point, really, isn't it? Absolutely. And that was, you know, my very first application of this work when I started exploring the frequencies in language yeah. back in 2007 was all about my own personal development and me rooting out, you know, the own tendencies in my language towards scarcity or towards victim mentality mm -hmm. or towards mm -hmm. feeling mm -hmm. sorry for myself or whatever it was. And I started to clue in that like, all of the unhappiness and misery and obstacles that I was experiencing, mm -hmm. I was creating by the way that I was choosing to tell my own stories and frame my stories. And so mm. all of this is from my own personal experience. You know, my new book moves it into the realm of societal overall yeah. evolution, yeah. but it has changed my life. And as someone who's, you know, tons of therapy and life coaches in this modality and this plant medicine and this, 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 yeah. this, yeah. nothing has had the impact on my life that changing my language has. And is that because that that's coming from the inside out, isn't it? Obviously you, you are thinking through, you're considering before you start talking, basically the words that you, that you're choosing to use. And if you choose the right words, then you, you're feeling better you, you know your life becomes easier better conversations are more more fulfilling and presumably Danny you don't if, if if you do what you recommend then you don't get the hostility back as much maybe as as, as you might if if you if you, if, you, if you just sort of um if, if you don't do what you suggest exactly and that's you know that's a really great point is you know we were talking earlier about those pauses we take you know to sidestep the censorship machine yeah. same with the pauses that i take before i decide how am i going to frame what i'm about to say to this person in front of me that's going to seed us with peace or keep the vibration high an example that i often use you know to take it away from something as polarizing as politics like i had a cast on my hand for uh, you know, a good portion of 2021. And what I noticed is when people asked what was going on with my hand, if I said something that was scary, you know, they would look at me with pity. They would give me the like, oh, and then I would internalize that and I would feel worse. If people yeah. would ask me what's happening with my hand and I would say, I'm integrating a cosmic upgrade, they would laugh, they would smile. Yeah. I would feel good and we would just move on to another topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 it's interesting also because I, I can remember back in the day, Danny, I used to go into all the mainstream TV outlets and stuff before I was finally banished from them. And and, and I remember what, even then, I can remember going in and I, there was a lot of conflict and confrontation because it was it was on political topics mostly, right? And I would have held a particular set of views. And, and, and I remember at one point I realized that the worst thing I can 
can do is engage in this same language as these people. Because I get cross, I don't be happy, I come out of there absolutely raging. So I then started to try to kind of be relaxed in myself and not wanting to go, instinct would tell you confronted using the, but that's wrong. That's exactly what you shouldn't do. Again, it's this inversion, do the opposite. And you can, I, I remember some very successful um, conversations on media where I, 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 I just relaxed into my own language skills and that was just better. I felt better at coming out of it. You know, I have a smile on my face rather than wanting to punch somebody when I finished. So there, there's, there's a definite truth to what you're saying that words matter. They absolutely matter. And, you know, to to hop on to what you're saying, hierarchy, as, as I said earlier, it's win-lose, right? Hierarchy operates yep. under the illusion of a scarcity of resources that we have to compete with one another to attain, yes. to survive. Yep. Betterarchy acknowledges there's enough to go around. We mm -hmm. can work together. So one of the principles, you know, moving from hierarchy to betterarchy is in your conversations, are you trying to prove that you're right? Are you trying to win? Or are you seeking to foster understanding between the yeah. two of you, right? Yeah. So I know why I believe what I believe. And as a journalist, mm. like I'm very clear on the facts. So when someone comes to me with a belief or an allegation that differs from my own, instead of doubling down on what I know, I open it up and say, tell me more. Yeah. Tell me why you think that. I want to understand mm. your mm. thought process. And then the other person feels safe they're not put on the defensive, like I'm going to attack them. Yeah. And then it it helps me understand more why they've come to believe what they believe. And I don't need to make them wrong. You know, great. Everyone yeah. has the, the God-given right to believe what they want to believe. That doesn't have to be a deal breaker for us to work together, be kind to one another. Oh, oh I agree. I, I can think of very few occasions where you can demonstrably prove and get someone to accept the fact that they've got it completely wrong. Human beings don't respond in that way. You know, we, we will all go on the defensive and we'll not be happy. But if you have a conversation, and this is, I mean, I've been doing this now for quite a while, and I, I figure if I throw out ideas, that's going to be far better than making categorical statements about things. So people can latch on to and think about ideas and come to their, actually come to maybe very different conclusions than me, but that doesn't matter. But you get an, it's a better engagement, Danny. It's a much better engagement uh, rather than sort of hectoring someone into saying, you better believe what I think because that doesn't work. And yet so much of what we see in our lives, you know, day to day, uh, the whole sort of sphere of news and politics, it, it is driven actually by that. My idea is better than your idea and you better you better come on to what I'm saying. And I, I, don't, I don't think it works. I don't think it works at all. And it's, you know, it's why as we're moving into the season of the presidential election that we may or may not have. And at this yeah. point, it seems so silly given what happened the last time. Yeah, but, no need for it. <laughs> you know, the presidential debates are so ridiculous and out of date. It's like, yeah. let me show the public how I can cling to my idea and fight to the death why my idea is right instead yeah. of indicating that I can actively listen to a different perspective, find the Venn diagram of crossover and find my way diplomatically to win-win solutions yeah. that serve everyone. 
Um, so a big, you know, one of the foundations of the language of betterarchy is starting to differentiate between masculine, feminine polarities in language, right? Having nothing to do with embodied men and women, but going back to like the hermetic principle of gender, understanding the qualities of these two polarities that animate third dimensional reality and starting to see when, you know, if I'm trying to win an argument, that's the masculine. If I'm seeking to create space for different ideas and understand, now I'm bringing mm. in the feminine, right? Yeah. And so, you know, this ridiculous notion that like putting women on top is going to fix our world, not if the women are leading with masculine, not if the women are still shaming and blaming and dividing, that's not going to help anything. That's useless, pointless optics, right? Yeah. When no. we attune to how our language is harming us or can help us, now we're resources starting use starting to use language in a way that serves the greatest good of all. Well, well, you see, you're dead right in what you're saying about just replacing men at the top by women at the top. Uh, and we see instance time after time, there's a very big story happening in the UK at the moment where the lady who was running the post office here in the UK, um, she did a terrible job, absolutely abysmal job. And, and it's caused a huge, uh, you know, furore. But I believe that's because she was essentially, she was the boss. She was the boss. And so she, she therefore, no better than her male predecessor. She didn't add anything at all, arguably maybe even worse, you know. So that's why, um, as you say, just to replace one with the other, it's stupid, doesn't work, doesn't add anything. It doesn't add anything because patriarchy, like hierarchy, is a lens of perception. Mm. And all of us in the West, we have been indoctrinated with this lens of perception. So exactly like you said earlier, it's an inside job. Yeah. For me to look at wh where am I dividing and shaming and blaming and creating separation and where can I make those shifts myself yeah and the more of us who do that the quicker we'll see the positive change on our planet do you think it's different in the east as opposed to the west you know you know sort of western sort of um culture is as you've just described it do you think eastern culture is different well i'm certainly not the expert but i have spent a lot of time in india Mm. And in India, I see a reverence for the unseen that is mocked here in the West, right? Mm. This is a very materialist, rationalist mm. culture, right? So it's very left-brained. Whereas, you know, here in the States, we demonize anything right-brained, intuition, emotion, mm. mysticism. Yeah. You know, all of those things are totally demonized. Uh, in India, those things are revered. So my guess is that it lends itself to more balanced perspective and way of making meaning of the world. I agree. I agree. I, I completely agree with you. I think that's one of, you know, I mean, I do worry about the state of, of Western culture, society. I mean, sometimes I feel like we are in the, the last days of Rome, so to speak. But when I look towards Eastern culture, I don't see that. And I think what is it that's gone so badly wrong with us over the last 50 years, you know, whatever? And, and you sort of think, how has our society nosedived into, 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 into this kind of 
narcissistic um, sort of infighting that achieves nothing. Meanwhile, that everything is going down the toilet. And you look to end. You mentioned India. I've got lots of friends in India, Indian, Indians uh, friends as well. And 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 I do see a disparity there. And I envy sort of the way they operate in in, in their societies. You know, when I when I see the West patronize them, that really gets me because I'm thinking, hang on a second, that they're, they're going to survive. We we mightn't. And, and, and we need to think about the values and the things that we do and the things we place, Danny, priority on versus what they pl uh, place a priority on. I think we're the people who have a lot to learn. I agree. I think it points back to like a long, like a long demoralization play that the social engineers have pulled mm. on us mm. here. Yeah. You know, the first time I was in India, 1999 to 2000, I noticed that you know, the people who I was spending time with had, you know, there was a family, they would eat one meal a day of just rice. Yeah. And they were so happy. And what I noticed in my time in India, they didn't have depression. They didn't have anxiety. There wasn't all this mental, mm. you know, ADHD and yep. triggered and, pro. you know, it's like the yep. pronoun conversation, like none of that is happening That's in right. parts of the world where they're just trying to get enough to eat and enough to to drink. So I think it's, um, you know, we have a skewed understanding of the world. I think we've become addicted to comfort here. We become, you know, I saw it during the lockdowns where like my friends who knew better, but wanted to travel would put a mask on and go through the shenanigans. And I was like, but you know better, oh, but I want to do what I want to do, but I want to go to Hawaii. And it's like, Everyone just yeah. wants to do that they want to do. No one's willing to yeah. be uncomfortable for a little bit in service to the greater good. I do think we've taken our individualism here to kind of a crazy extreme. Where think, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 a very, it's a very fair point. The, the reason, the number one reason for most people, certainly here in, in, in the UK, taking, for example, the COVID vaccines was they wanted to travel. That was yes. the number one reason. It right. wasn't, you know, they thought it's going to help protect me. No, 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 no. They want to travel. But but that, that's kind of damning, I think, on us as a society. A thousand percent. And this is, you know, what I've been saying for a while now is like, we're doing this to ourselves because we haven't said no. If everyone who knew better just said, no, I'm not willing to wear a mask while traveling because this is wrong, it would be done. Yeah. Be done. But everyone just wants to do what they want to do and aren't considering the greater good, how high the stakes are. And that's where I get frustrated at my own people for their addiction to their comfort or their, you know, like whatever it was that had them compromising um, their integrity to just yeah. play along. But but then back to the wordsmiths again. The wordsmiths were using really clever phrases during during those couple of years, such as, you know, um, you know, th think of granny, you know, take, don't take the vaccine just for yourself. Take it for, for somebody else. And I'm thinking, I, I, well, it's subtle. I get the psychology and I, and I get the phraseology and I, it, it, it kind of worked. I mean, that, 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 that's why, Danny, that's why I wanted to have you on because, you know, we have to be empowered to understand the words that are coming our way and how we can best deal with them and how we can then respond in optimum fashion, which I think is what better Archie is about. It's about trying to get to a better place in terms of language. Yes, it is yeah. 
100%. And the reason that I wrote it and I'm so proud of it is because it's an actual tool that you mm -hmm. and me and all of us could start using right now to make immediate change. And I think sometimes, you know, the challenges that we're facing as humanity can yep. seem so overwhelming. And I get it that people will just like tap out and be like, ah, oh, I can't handle it. I'll just, you know, get stoned and watch Netflix mm. because it's too scary what's going on. And who am I? I'm just one little person. Yep. And what I want people to understand is how much power we really do have as individuals. And if they had any power at all, they wouldn't have to lie. They wouldn't have to coerce. They wouldn't have to co-opt the media and propagandize all of us if they truly had an honest leg to stand on. And so, you know, my prayer for you and me, for anyone listening, is that we realize how much power we have and we start using that to say no and steer humanity into a different direction immediately. Well, that, that, that's a very positive way to end everything on. So listen, before we go, can we just bring up uh, Danny's book again? The language of betterarchy. There you go. If you wanna, you wanna check it out. Uh, you can go over to davidvance.net and you'll find it over there. And you can find it uh, also, obviously, uh, online as well in, in other places. So, so Danny, uh, and uh, in fact, Danny has other books as well. There are Word Up as well. So I was, I, I was watching your, is it your Odyssey reel on Word Up? I was watching, I was watching that as well, Danny. Listen, it's been an absolute pleasure to to speak with you. Uh, thank you so much for taking your time to talk to my viewers here all around the world. And, you know, I hope they, uh, I found that interesting and I would certainly recommend Danny's book. And uh, this is, I think Danny, this is what we need. We need fresh thinking. We need new ways, uh, new tools and, you know, uh, ways in which we can become yeah, happier people, more effective people, withstand propaganda better as well, all those things. And it all lies in language and what we use. So, Danny, thank you very much. Uh, that's it from Danny and myself for tonight, folks. We'll be back on, on Wednesday night. So join me then. Uh, until then, it's good night. <laughs>